Hi everybody, it's Joey Remini here from seekingbalance.com.au and today I'm really excited to be ch chatting with Jackie from Australia about her experience of both concussion and triple PD, persistent postural perceptual dizziness. And we're going to talk a little bit about what neuroplasticity looks like and feels like from Jackie's perspective. So welcome to the call and thank you for being here. All right, thanks for having me, Joey. Mm, it's beautiful to meet you. So I've had a little bit of interaction with you through the Rocksteady live group calls and yep. Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And so now it's a real treat to be seeing you face to face. Do you want to introduce the listeners to your story and having like a work injury and then having to go through the rehab and a little bit about, about how you fell into our community and now how life is going for you? Yeah, sure. So um, I had an injury at work where I got hit in the head. And so I went into a post-concussion disorder and then eventually about, I know it must have been three months after that, um, I was diagnosed uh, with PPPD and um, I felt a little bit lost in it. Um, mm. It had been going on a lot longer than I thought it would. I thought I'd be up and at him again after a week after being, you know, just hit on the head. But, um, yeah, it developed into that. And so I went to a neurologist. I went to through various tests, MRI, and ended up being told I had a more traumatic brain injury and that it would take about 12 months to heal. Mm -hmm. And um, on that journey, when I got that diagnosis, there wasn't really much else uh, that was on offer. Um, there were drugs for anti-anxiety, I found that I was in a lot of uh, fear and I, I was just riding this loop of it's going to happen again, I'm going to get dizzy again, I don't feel quite right any of the time. Um, I stopped driving mm. at some point. Um, yeah, so I came across the Rocksteady uh, environment um, from a friend of a nurse who had a sister who was a vestibular audiologist and my mum actually gave me the website. And so uh, it was really good timing. And when I read Joey's PPPD resource sheet, I was amazed that someone could write about it in a way that was so precise. It was exactly where I was at and what I was feeling um, that I just straight away went, I'm on board. Uh, this is exactly what I need. So it was beautiful timing for me. And I started in October last year. And I went really slowly through the program, just mm. took my time um, and just have had fantastic progress. Yeah. So I'm back at work. Um, I can drive and I feel way less fear. Like I just, it, it just changed all of the way I was thinking and feeling about what was going on for me, what my symptoms and what was happening inside my body. So complete turnaround. Yeah. Mm. Congratulations. And so what did neuroplasticity and the process of that mean for you? Were you new to it? Was it something you already knew about? Or did you just kind of open up to learning about it through necessity and through going, uh, wow, I need this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I came, I come from a background um, as an early childhood teacher. I've also got a background in yoga. So I was very, uh, I Kind of, I guess I'm a very aware person I, I, and I felt like I was able to, uh, you know, look at what was going on. But um, 
I'd read Norman Doidge's books about the brain that changes itself. So I had a little bit of an idea about neuroplasticity, but I'm not in an applied way, not yeah. how to do it, not how to use it. It's going to be relevant to me, um, mm -hmm. not in that way at all. Um, but I, I guess there's part of me that's really intrigued and interested in, in both the micro of what's actually going on, what's going on inside me. Like mm. It kind of fascinates me. Um, but there was also that sense of being able to, uh, well, I'd lost it, being able to be aware. I, I just lost that, that capacity because it was overwhelming what, what I was, the, the level of fear I was feeling. That, um, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes when I'm talking about this with clients, I say it's like, imagine trying to learn the piano or anything, play tennis, anything at all, a new language, if you're in a noisy strobe light nightclub. You know, it's so hard to concentrate when there's loud music, crowds of people and strobe lights. And that's actually what it feels like when you're experiencing roaring tinnitus or extreme, not quite right sensations. There's a lot of neural firing that is, that's in nightclub mode, but you're like trying to sit on the deck and have a cup of tea in the morning and you're like, why is my brain doing this? So it's really hard to concentrate and it is overwhelming at first, especially when the fear loop and the self-doubts and the worries are front and center. Yep. And so a huge part of the Rocksteady program is about how to self-soothe, how to get on top of persistent worries, doubts, to look at beliefs and what we're believing in and what's serving us and what's not serving us, mm. and then to integrate that into a physical daily practice so we're embodying the mental, emotional, and spiritual changes, which results in new neurochemical pathways and synapses. So for those of you who are listening and are like, oh, this is all a bit new, Jackie wanted to share a little bit as an educator about what it felt in her brain, in her body, and this integration of heart, spirit, and soul. So I'm a really big believer that when we're in alignment, when our mind and our body and our heart are all talking to each other and all on the one page in the same chapter and working towards the same goals, that's when we have the most ease in our life and that's when we have the most joy in our life so when those when our heart soul and spirit mind and body are all disconnected and conflict and fighting with each other and struggling life is hard and you hear it in people's language they're like oh i'm struggling to get out of work i can't drive i can't this and there's a lot of fear and resistance in the way they perceive the world and in the way they live life so getting the mind body and soul into this community and this conversation of alignment is a huge part of Rocksteady and I thought it'd be great for Jackie to be able to declare herself to how far she's come to the celebration and just to share what that felt like for her and let me know when you want to screen share Jackie because you've got those drawings that we can use. Sure yeah um, so I guess you just explain exactly what what I went through in that Rocksteady process I think the the ability to soothe myself was really missing. Um, I felt like I was looking for that externally, but uh, it was never enough, even if I did get it. Uh, mm. And so I really needed to find that uh, reassurance inside me and, mm. and be reassuring me regularly. So it was really foreign at, at the start. And um, I guess the, the module one, two really helped me to go, how do I do this? Where do I start? Um, and yes, I have come a, a huge way through that program. And 
Um, so setting a goal initially was was really important, and mine was to to that I am safe. That was that was my goal because I really didn't feel safe. So that was my starting point. Um, I wanted to feel safe, calm. I wanted to be friendly to myself inside, mm. um, and I wanted to feel steady. And so using the neuroplasticity techniques and the resources and the audios really helped me to embody that, to really be in my body. So that goal of not feeling safe in my body was, um, it, it was quite strong and it kept me out of my body. Um, mm. So getting inside uh, was, was a key step. And I'm still doing it. Uh, sometimes I disconnect and mm. I pop out. And so uh, I'm learning to recognise that or recognise the signs before that of mm. how well, I'm starting to or it's happened, how do I get back in? So I'm spending far less time out and I'm more in. And when I am in, it's safe in here. Mm. So I that's, noticed. That's you know, <clears throat> And you don't have to talk on this if it feels a bit close to home, but I know a lot of people listening will also have that experience of suddenly going, oh, my God, I don't feel safe in my body. Mm. What's wrong with me? Why am I like this? And there can be this shaming thing where it's like, mm. well, I should be this and I should be that and I should be kind to myself and I should be loving and I should feel safe in this pelvis and this spine and this legs. And so often in this process of realising I didn't even know I was unsafe, but now I realise I'm unsafe and I'm not in my body, there's all this shame and guilt arising. Mm. And so part of the transition back into safety can be a huge amount of self-forgiveness and like a homecoming. It's like, it's like that piece of you that's been lost and on a holiday around the world or been abandoned and exiled and suddenly they're coming home and it's like, how can I celebrate this and be, be unconditionally kind and loving to myself as I start to form that new community again and, yeah. and to not get locked in the shame and, there are people out there who I've seen who are finding it really hard to get through the self-shaming aspect. So they're still not yeah. quite home. <laughs> they're somewhere yeah. between not home and home and, yeah. and just, just on the shoulder in shame. So did you have any of that experience? I did. Uh, I did. And I think because I'd been injured at, um, mm. in a work environment, I also felt it in relation to that. Mm. Um, and yeah, it it is. It it was a really hard thing to get through. It was like I I needed to go into it and mm. I needed to go through it, and I needed to see that there was another another um, a, a light at the end of the tunnel or something mm. where um, I couldn't avoid it. I, I actually just had to go through, and I had to uh, feel all those um, feelings around that, um, and it was kind of a combination of my body can handle feeling that level of feeling mm. um, and having trust in it, that it, it would, it wouldn't, um, <laughs> it wouldn't fall apart. It wouldn't, my mind wouldn't kind of, I wouldn't go nuts. I wouldn't uh, break down into more disease in my body that I could actually hold the space for having those, those really hard feelings of, yeah, I, I'm doing something wrong. Uh, you know, I should have, been better at this or I I could have I, I should feel normal it should be easier you know yeah. but it's really important to remember you're everybody not just Jackie it, me every human our brain is so sophisticated 
that if they're truly our emotions we're not ready to feel and are too big for us, our brain will suppress them. Mm. So we won't even know those emotions exist. Those emotions will be packaged up, shoved into the back of our brain. Mm. And when we have the emotional integrity and maturity, the brain will then release those emotions, which is why sometimes we process emotions from childhood trauma. Because when we were little, we didn't have the maturity yet to to go through that situation. So we, we suppress it, we package it off. And then as we grow and get more strength, mm. the brain says, all right, I'm sick of holding on to this. Let's release this now. And then we have to feel it. Yeah. And the feeling is the healing. Yeah. Which is like you've beautifully described. You can't go around that yucky feeling and the shame and the guilt and the discomfort mm. and the unsafety and the, ooh, get me out of here. You have to actually go in and feel it and say, okay, it's big, it's blossoming, it's spiky, it's wooden, it's metallic, it's, it's here, it's there. And you've got to really feel it. And then go, okay, I'm still breathing. What's on the other side? Yeah. And what did you find on the other side of feeling through it? Uh, I found that it was okay to be in my body and, mm. and that we could go through something like that and that there was, there was this sense of there was a conversation going on between the different parts of me. And um, I think uh, behind this sits a, I guess, a, a framework or an idea or a way of seeing myself that works for me that I shared with Joey that um, I, I do a lot of talking with my friend Pam about and we sort of talk about the four parts of ourselves and when you started talking like that I was like oh you know here's mm-hmm. here's a way of seeing it that um, is in line with with where you're coming from in the Rock Steady program so the mind the body and the heart and the soul I call it would say mm. this were the four parts that I've I kind of was having conversations with and when I when I worked out that they were all talking mm. to each other it really helped me to go this isn't as confusing as I thought it was because they were all talking at once but once I went okay who is that talking what's that's a feeling that's mm. something who's that talking that's my body going oh, we're getting a bit cranky because you know, you're not listening to us. So, um, but, but they all kind of had this big conversation and I, and I realised one day and I shared it with Joey that this was actually going on inside me. I mm-hmm. actually kind of put it inside me and when it's all, that's the neural connections, that's the pathways, that's the different ways that I'm firing and that has been actually wired that way. And I, I so... That's that, that that applied bit of neuroplasticity that I went. It's happening inside me. That's the co- can that's I the can I share one of your images or a yeah, few? Yeah, of them? yeah, sure. I'll um yeah, I'll find one. I'll try and get the one about the conversation. Oh yeah. Maybe the I'm we'll start with the I'm not safe one and then work through. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> Here's a picture. Is it worth? <laughs> Yeah, so um, do, you want, do you want me to talk about it now? Can you actually see it? Yeah, I can see it. Yep. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, so when I, I, I had a go at overlaying those four parts of, of me as a human being into the brain, so that circle, the big circle and the little bit that goes down is, is my brain. Um, and um, I sort of, you can see the little symbol looks like a sun at the front, that frontal lobe part. And I'm not a scientist, I'm not a neurologist. Um, I just kind of generally went, 
Okay, so I'm hearing there's three parts to the brain. This is actually pretty pretty accurate, really. Your frontal yeah. lobe, your frontal lobe here is the part that does a lot of the personality and a lot of the planning and a lot of the talking. So it's it's, yeah. you know, it's pretty good to put that in there as the mind, and, yeah. and a lot of the worries and doubts. And that's also the part of our brain that can equally self soothe and start going, "Hang on, I've got this. It's false alarm." Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty beautiful. And over here, you've got your heart and your emotional brain, which is kind of where the limbic system is. So that's also pretty yeah. good. Pretty good. And memory, memory and stuff's in there as well, isn't it? Yep. Yep. In the middle yep. of the brain. Yeah. And down here, you've got the animal brain, and you've called this the body and soul. Yeah, I put them both in there because it seemed to me that that's where that um, the belief. So soul for me is about what. Well, what am I believing? What are those deeper beliefs that I have that I might not even know that I have um, and that I'm operating off those beliefs? Yeah. And then they're, they're kind of fueling and are linked into this neural pathway. Um, so I put, I, for me, I put them both down there and I'm touching the back of my neck because um, it's been really helpful to link more to that part of my brain in a positive way. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's it's beautiful to see how you've got. You're starting to actually. And people say, "Oh my god, I feel like there's neurons ricocheting around my brain." I'm like, "Yeah, they are. Like you're actually <laughs> like that's true. You're feeling something that is accurate because there are millions and trillions of neurons, and in the different ways they pattern that that then creates networks and traits that we perceive as a feeling of worry or anxiety or calm or ease or confidence or love and so what we're feeling is actually part of the changing conversations mm. and how how did you go in resetting and rewiring your network so that you were like all right I want to feel this so I'm going to actually methodically cultivate this new conversation how did you go in the resetting well so the the steps for me were realizing that it was a conversation going on and in that picture you can see that you know, there's kind of six interrelations. So it's it was also important for me to um, spend time with each part and go, what's actually, ha how is that part um, relating to the other parts? How is it um, connecting to the other parts? Is it a tight, fear-filled way that they connect or is there actually an absence of connection? So for me... Mm. My body and soul were really not talking because I was disconnected from my body. So I, from a soul point of view, I really didn't want to be um, in my body. I, I, I actually can say that really clearly. I did not want to sit yeah. in my body. Um, I, I, I can hover, you know. I can also relate to that. And feeling dissociated and leaving the body is often a really helpful strategy when we're in a traumatic part of our life. Mm. It's like, mm. I can't handle being here, so I am actually going to leave the vehicle and yeah. go seek some retreat out there in, in the spirit world because right yeah. here I don't feel safe in the physical world. So yeah. most of us will do that at some point and then there has to come a place where we realise that's dysfunctional now. I need to come back into my body and re-relate mm. <laughs> re to the world because now I'm mm. older and I'm safer and the yeah. alarm bells have stopped. And would you say down there, like one of the core beliefs is just, I trust the process. I can trust my body. Yeah. It's yeah. It's okay to be me. Yeah. The other turnaround was probably when, um, so, so when I was sitting with what coming into my body and going, 
well, what am I, um, where's my body wisdom? When I found that I changed the belief and that connection between body and soul to my body is actually a really wise, mm. really wise, ancient at a cellular level. It knows how to heal itself. It it knows how to repair. It knows mm. how to digest. It knows how to produce blood. It knows how to do all that. I actually just have to get out of its way. When yeah. I so when I connected to the wisdom of my body uh, and the my soul body in my brainstem were actually feeling safe. Um, that's when I, I could then look at the different other connections going on. So my body didn't really have a connection to my um, feelings, which is a little bit ironic because as an early childhood teacher, I'd always been working on a social emotional level really yeah. strongly with, with children. And yet I wasn't actually doing that inside me. I wasn't it, doing it for me. It's actually really yeah. common. I've seen a lot of psychologists with vertigo or tinnitus that or audiologist or physiotherapist or qigong teachers or spiritual teachers meditation teachers yoga teachers and so they've got the theory and they've had the training and the concepts are not unfamiliar to them but to actually embody them and neurologically change in their own body is something they've never done mm, yeah and embodied therapy is something you cannot read in a book and mm. you cannot learn on youtube you have to literally go through it. And that's why Rocksteady is a self-study process because you're literally feeling by studying what you feel, mm. which is an irreplaceable process. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, and it looks different for everyone. And when I, um, so the other one you just asked about, um, how did I go changing the firing? Yep. So that third picture or the second one, um, so that that and that represents really those neural pathways going nuts, uh, and you can see from all the arrows that that's what I was um, sensing was happening in my brain. And, and part of the Rock City program that made a difference to me was realizing that neuroplasticity does take um, chaos. It takes, it takes time <laughs> for the brain to do it, and I was sleeping. Um, you know, two hours as well as a full night's sleep. And that, that was a really important thing to realise that was I needed to give my brain space to change the way it was working. Um, it's, it's like yeah. massive roadworks, you know, it's full on, it's noisy, it's chaotic, it's messy, and you're doing this huge renovation and update. Mm. And in mm. that process, the transitional space can be quite uncomfortable and super exhausting. Like we often have to sleep more, rest more, Definitely. Say no to more things, pull back and really quieten down while this pivotal process is happening. People hmm. who don't allow that and they push through, push through, push through, they're the guys who don't heal. Yeah. Because they're never allowing their brain to consolidate, integrate and update. Mm. I, I agree totally. That was my experience. So in this picture, in that picture that was just there, um, you were talking about how I started or could see the process of firing differently. Yeah. So... I I just used an example. I mean, it's happening all the time. It was happening before this call for me because I was like, "Whoa, I feel a bit anxious." So that's in my, you know, in my midbrain's going, "Whoa, we got butterflies. We're feeling anxious." Mm -hmm. And I saw that that I kind of I'm a very visual person, so I saw it kind of talking to my the frontal lobe and going, "You know, what do we reckon about this? We're feeling this anxiety. What do we do?" And um, you know, anyway it re-fired re because then uh, 
in the back of my brain came this really strong message of, but you're totally safe and you're loved and you're supported and we got this. And so my body started sending to my heart, my um, limbic system, we got this, we're steady. I'm sending you feelings of steady in my body. I'm sending you beautiful sense of calm. Mm. And so for me, the connection between my heart and body is really starting to um, uh, be beautiful again. That's yeah. great. Yeah. And, so and I feel like yeah. just adding in there, the body doesn't lie, right? If your leg is on fire, you're going to have messages that your skin is burning. You're going to smell it. You're going to feel it. If you're drowning, you're going to be wet. You're going to get real physical messages. Your body won't lie. Your mm -hmm. brain, on the other hand, like your mind, it's tricky. Like sometimes it will be giving you these intense alarm signals like run, run, I'm, I'm, I hate this, get out of here, this is horrible. You know, it'll be giving you all of these bogus messages. Like what if I die? What if I've got traumatic, aggressive, severe cancer and I'm going to be dead by three o'clock today? Like your brain gives you out there crazy ideas and worries that are not based on fact or truth. The yeah. body does not. So it's always good to double check what the mind is telling you with what the body is telling you and check that they're in sync. Mm. Mm. When there's a conflict, listen to the body, not the mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that if we're not connected to the body and it doesn't feel safe in the body, that's really hard because those messages from the body are really skewed by what's going on in the mind. So a good example of that is that diagram where, you know, this, a thought came of I don't want to do these neck exercises. And, Joey, you know what? You can't make me do them and I'm not going <laughs> to done them before. And so the conversation between the brain parts was um you know the initial one was my limbic system which just went yeah yeah i remember doing them and i got really dizzy afterwards and i stayed dizzy for gosh it must have been a whole day yeah we really don't want to do them you're right mind and so back to the frontal lobe it's like um yeah okay so we won't do them and you know back to sort of brainstem the belief is yeah we're not safe don't do it don't do it we're not doing it we're not safe we can't possibly do it and so this neural storm is going on and that old pathway is is set in motion and so i don't end up doing them and then that is a beautiful example of avoidance behaviors that prevent us from recovering because it's based yeah. on fear worry doubt stress and avoidance of the very things we need to do to reset the neurology Exactly. And it was very fear-based, very, very fear-based. And from that belief of I'm not safe, therefore all of this stuff comes out of that. Mm. So the, the, the different firing for me was when some parts of the team go, hold on, we don't think like that anymore. We don't feel that way anymore. We know some things. So let's go check. So, you know, my mind might say, um, I don't want to do these neck exercises my kind of heart space goes, well, you know, I'm a little confused. We did, we have done some that were, were really good. Let's go check if this is safe. And then the neural pathway, instead of going ping, ping, ping between my frontal lobe and limbic system and ending up not doing it, goes, hold on, let's go back and check with brainstem. Are we safe? Is it, is it safe to have this feeling of, you know, we may be a bit confused or worried about doing that next exercise? And all the message that came back all the way to midbrain and the frontal brain was, you're safe. It's okay. You know what to do if the dizziness comes up. You know what to do if you're feeling not quite right. So we actually know that this is going to be okay. So the reassurance, it was actually a lot of the time for me, it's reassurance from that back part of my brain that we're safe. And the neural, I guess, 
from a chemical level, the, the, the message that gets sent to the frontal lobe for me now is we got this. Mm. Totally reassurance. And so my mind relaxes and goes, yeah, okay, well, maybe we could do it this way. You know, mm-hmm. have our body, you, you fire up those really steady neurons and, you know, let's, let's really fire that because that will help us. Let's really send the calm ones. Let's really send the safe mm-hmm. ones. Everyone's in it together going, you know, we're all going to do this together. You're not alone. You know, none of you are alone. We're in it together and we're all going in the same direction with this. So that's what those arrows kind of... This um, is- so articulate thank you so much for sharing this because there are so many people who do their exercises on autopilot they rush them they're distracted they're not in tune at all with their heart their soul their body or their mind and i think it's really powerful for you to sit down and describe this is what happens when i'm in fear this is what happens when i'm in reassurance and just really slowing down the process because all of this can happen in two seconds absolutely and And all the time yeah. yeah And so sometimes our mind and our body are on the same page saying, yeah, let's do this together. We feel safe. This is a great idea. Let's take 10 breaths and do this foot position and we're going to cultivate calm while we're at it. Mm. And the other thing is, is just reminding yourself, my head and neck are designed to move. The full range of motion is fully safe. It's what I've been born to do. There is no danger in laying flat and looking up and bending over and going left or right. It's a mental fear, not a physical disability. Yep. And really being able to get the body and the mind back into that space of, oh, okay, well, let's just gently give it a go. Mm, mm, absolutely. And, and for the body to go, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm miraculous <laughs> and I haven't maybe done this for a while, but if you give me a bit of time, then I'll be able to go through that exercise and then give me a bit of rest like we were talking about before. Like it takes the brain um effort to do it differently to wire it differently so then giving it time afterwards you know you know in yoga would lie in shavasana and just Mm -hmm. just let it integrate all of that new stuff yeah and then it'll tell you when it's ready to get up that was my experience yeah beautiful so some of the key messages here are begin to notice at a deeper detail in your body what the mind, body, soul, and heart are all contributing to your inner conversation. Go through the emotions and feel them, even the hard ones, because when you feel them, your brain can reset them. If you skip them, ignore them, deny them, medicate them, they're not getting processed and they're really just lodged in your brain waiting to come up again at some point. Mm. Go through your feelings. If you need private therapy, find someone who can support you, listen to, hold you in a non-judgmental space and help you help support you through the neuroplasticity work. I would recommend any therapist with a mindfulness-based training would be a good, a, a good kind of link in to support you with the Rocksteady program. Absolutely. I'd agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And I think another take-home message is celebrate your wins. Notice those little moments when you're like, oh, I am safe. Oh, thank you, buddy. And really feed that communication and celebrate when the body is winning and when the body is doing well. Go to your feet. Often the feet are giving really nice, good, solid information. Get out of the head. Get into the lower body. Mm. And I think notice that it's dynamic. It's not like you have this conversation once and then you're healed for life. Your mind and your body will often be out of sync, disconnected, dissociated, traumatized, shocked, anxious. And so it's not about constantly being connected in enlightenment forever. It's about being able to go in and out and move and call yourself home 
welcome yourself back and have this sense of forgiveness and friendship as there's moments when you won't speak to yourself nicely and you will be in avoidance behaviors and life is difficult and tricky and you just want to push it all away and run away and escape. Be kind and gentle and forgive yourself as you go through that. So I think um, this has been really beautiful to see you describe in some details how you're reconnecting the heart, the soul, the mind and the body. Um, what have been some, some challenges for you that you've had to overcome? Sounds like finding safety was the first big one. Yeah, absolutely. 100% if I wasn't safe. Uh, you know, like as a teacher, I always look at that, are the children feeling safe? As human beings, I think we, yeah. uh, that's a fundamental one. We need to know that we are safe, yeah. you know, safe externally, but also I'd say safe internally. We need to know that we've got a, we've got a home, that, that's home base. We belong. We belong right here where we are or whatever's going on. And that um, the world isn't falling out beneath us or we're not standing in quicksand or drowning. Yeah, exactly. So that was probably the, the first challenge. And then, yeah, lots of challenges along the way just in terms of what was then, I, I guess, in what you were saying before, my uh, brain was ready for me to actually have a look at. Um, and I think those were all like those little um, pockets of feelings that once I knew that I had some skills through the Rocksteady program of navigating those, mm. whatever they were, whether it was, you know, a big feeling of anxiety or a big feeling of guilt or a big feeling of really scared, so scared of, of mm -hmm. something, um, that I knew that if I went into that space that um, I started to understand that my my team were all going to be there working together on it, and even it it looked a little awkward, or it looked took a little bit of time, or I really kind of lost it. And my especially my frontal lobe, I think um, the mind was playing just kind of you know <laughs> little rah rah. Um, you know that loops pretty hard sometimes to just let it roll without getting hooked into that was a big, a big challenge for me um yeah yeah uh but we're doing better at it which is fantastic and as i go along i i i guess with the the help of understanding that it's a conversation and that those the way it fires i actually have a choice at different points and i think in that conversation on the the paper where i've got like one two three i can interrupt it too mm can change it too and I just create some space there and go I actually have choice I could I could fire it that way like I usually do like I'm hardwired to do but like you say neurons fire in the present so I have choice in that moment to go remember we've got a different belief now we actually don't believe what we used to we believe that we are safe so what does that mean right now well right now it means we can fire the one that says we're okay yeah. Let's let's just be in this space of feeling angry or scared and look at what the options are. And then it seems like my frontal lobe or my mind goes, yeah, I can problem solve that. Because yeah. fine in a proper way, instead of the rah-rah loop of, oh, I don't know what to do, you know, blah, 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 it's all going to be tragic, da-da-da. It goes, yeah, no, no, I'm really good at solving this. As long as I've got the reassurance that we're safe, mm. it's like the rational part of my mind and the problem solving part comes back online and in in early childhood there's a i can't remember the name of it but there's that flip the lid theory mm -hmm. where your brain looks like this yeah. and when we 
flip that lid off, all we're left with is the limbic system. All we're left with is the brainstem. And they're kind of going, oh, I don't know what to do. And, the, you know, the mind's up here going, no, nah, I'm out of here, you know. Wah. And so it's the ability to put that mind back on by reassuring it and going, mm-hmm. we, we're okay. We need your problem-solving skills, mate. You know, like get on it, but mm-hmm. in a way that's going to help us. And then we've got our whole brain working together. And I really like that image and sometimes I use it for early childhood or primary school that that, that works. So it ties in with all that rock steady stuff that that is so fantastic about teaching about what the brain's actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. And also being in that process of the to and fro, it's like playing tennis with someone. You know, you've got to wait for the ball to be returned. And as you're going through neuroplasticity, you've got to stop and feel, all right, what do I need right now? Where's the ball? What's going on? Mm. And how can I stop and interrupt and make a different choice that actually helps me feel the way I want to feel instead of getting looped into old automated and avoidant fear-based processes that are literally not helping me anymore. I've outgrown them. And so this process of taking our power back is choice. Right now, what can I choose? Right now, what can I choose? Right now, what can I choose? And so in the Rocksteady Live group calls, I'm often like, all right, what are you feeling and what are you going to do about it? Yeah. What are you feeling yeah. and what are you going to do about it? Are you going to ask for help? Are you going to offer reassurance? Are you Are going to seek it within yourself? Are you going to seek it outside of yourself? Without a doubt, the people who have the slowest recoveries are the ones who are constantly going out to other therapists for support. They've got, you know, and it's, it's, it's just that it's the seeking outside is the slow route. When we go in and really feel and start to make different choices within ourselves and in our own life, we start to get really quick, deep, embodied neural changes because we're living it. We're not looking for it tomorrow. We're living it now. So in your process of healing, would you say there's been a gift in your symptoms when you look back in hindsight? Oh, 100%. And I can can say it very publicly that the whole experience for me has been a gift and that um, it's really made me look at, uh, well, what are those deeper beliefs that I have about uh, myself and being a human being and how I operate? And that that if I look at it that way, mm. uh, it allows me back into that choice and out of the fear zone. Yeah. Definitely, 100%. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. I'm so happy for you. Thank you for being a part of our Rocksteady community. Thank I'm going to be seeing you probably on more live calls as yeah. live Rocksteady unfolds. Um, I think this has been really valuable. So thank you on behalf of everyone who's been able to watch your hand demonstrations and see (laughs) your your written diagrams. It's really wonderful. Um, So thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm happy to share that. It was just my way. I think that everyone has has different ways of seeing their own journey and their own symptoms and their own healing and what's going on for them. So I'm happy to share what worked for me or how I saw it. Yeah, fantastic. So thank you, Jackie. Keep going in developing this beautiful relationship with your body because it looks like it's just going from strength to strength to strength. Yeah. And as you drop more and more into your heart, you watch the joy unfold. Yeah. The joy effect, the joy cascade. Yeah. So thank you to everybody listening. I'm Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. If you're curious to learn more, go to my website, the Rock Study Process is a 12-week how to heal vertigo or tinnitus program. And if that's something you're interested in, go check it out and you can get started whenever you want. It's a self-study process. 
you're the expert in what you do, how you heal, and this gives you the process and the methodology to do it. So it's a little bye for now. And I'll see you in our next YouTube.